GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. This episode's being recorded on December 12th, 2013. You know, it's crazy. This is actually our, our seventh episode already. You know, we're starting to get dangerously close to double digits here. You know, who would have thought anyone would let us get this far? Well, we, we still have three to go, so uh, don't get too That's ahead true. of yourself there. Uh, I'm getting cocky now. Um, you know, this is also going to be our, I'm assuming, our last episode of the year because we're getting pretty close to the holidays and all that. But, you know, we have all sorts of stuff lined up for to kick off the new year, you know, in style. So definitely stay tuned after this. Um, but kind of real quick before we get going with, with this episode, you know, we just wanted to take a moment to, to sit back and give a quick shout out to the guys doing the, the Xamarin podcast. You know, it's run by Chris Hardy and Pierce Boggan over at Xamarin. Uh, they started up a few months back around the same time that we did. And since then, they've been putting out, you know, consistent and good episodes that really give you a good roundup of basically like what's going on in the Xamarin community, blog posts, announcements, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So you know, not really the same format as what we're doing here. And it, it definitely makes for a good compliment to, to what we're doing on this show. So, you know, if you haven't already checked it out, you know, definitely go out and do that. You know, well, you could, you could probably wait until after this episode, but, but then you're allowed to go. Um, but, you know, on that note, I'm happy to introduce our guest for, for this episode, Frank Kruger. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, what's up? Not much. <laughs> I hear you're uh, interested in F sharp. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. A little F-sharp um, curious. <laughs> yeah, you could put it that way. Um, you know, just to kind of kick things off, you know, you're, you're a pretty prolific figure in the Xamarin community, you know, have been for a while, you know, long enough that, you know, it predates the name Xamarin itself. But, <laughs> you know, for anyone who's, you know, who might be unaware of who, you know, who are you? Oh, um, hi, my name is Frank Kruger. <laughs> I've been programming on the Monotouch slash Xamarin iOS platform for about five years now since the beta first came out and hanging out on the IRC channels, doing it the old style way. Um, from that time, I've been, uh, I was actually running iOS apps a little bit before uh, Monotouch came out and afterwards fell in love with it, started running apps for it. Um, I might be known for at least one app called iCircuit that's available on the iPad and I've just been writing apps ever since. All right. So, yeah, it, it's really awesome to have you on the show. Um, you know, as you alluded to before, you know, in this particular episode, we're we're going to try and dig into F sharp a little bit, which seems to be a it's a pretty hot topic recently. You know, at least, you know, for anyone following Xamarin stuff on Twitter, um, you know, it seems like F sharp's really starting to gain a lot of steam and Xamarin's kind of adopting it as a, you know, a second language that they're they're committed to supporting to some extent. So we wanted to, you know, just have an episode and kind of talk about you know, what F-sharp is and what it brings to the table and, you know, what it can kind of bring in the Xamarin world. Yeah, it's kind of funny, actually, because uh, it's been around forever. <laughs> it was one of the earliest .NET languages, I think. Um, I actually don't know the full history or anything, but I can't remember a time when it wasn't out there. And so it's good. It's nice that people are rediscovering it somewhat. And all credit to the team, uh, the F-sharp team for making sure people don't forget how awesome it is. <laughs> so, I mean, just to kind of get started, um, can you just give a quick overview of, you know, for anyone who, you know, might be a C-sharp developer, but, you know, unfamiliar with what F-sharp is, um, you know, oh, can you just boy. kind of start there? Oh, wow. Yeah. You're, you're putting that on me, huh? <laughs> I get to do this? 
<laughs> All right. Um, so I guess in the grand spectrum of programming languages out there, there are functional programming languages and imperative or procedural languages. On top of that, you have object-oriented languages. So F-sharp is on the side of the functional object-oriented language spectrum as opposed to C-sharp's procedural object-oriented system. That's incredibly boring, but what it means is um, it's a language with a good heritage of the style of programming that's been shown to be useful. It's good for data transformations. It's good for keeping code very succinct. It's good for uh, composition, uh, breaking your program down into little modules like that. All of this comes from the functional style. And so you get that functional style add-on objects, couple that with .NET, and you have this little monster that's very useful. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a glowing endorsement. It is, it is. Little monsters <laughs> Very are the useful best monster, kind. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Best kind of monster. Uh, so have you guys touched it at all? What's your experience with it? I have to to a small extent. I've kind of just had a you know, a peripheral relationship with it for, for several years now. Every so often I find myself, you know, tinkering with it, saying, you know, I really need to you know dig in and learn this and then I learn I learned some, and then I end up leaving it for long enough that I end up forgetting everything that I learned. Um, but I've started to pick it up again recently, so maybe it'll it'll finally stick this time, if you could sell me on it. <laughs> yeah, I think every oh. time I, I start to look at it, it's like you go through all the tutorials. You're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. It's yeah. really something I, I think I can get to work with. And you know, I've seen uh, uh, Ted Neward talk about it at the Michigan.net group, and after that I was like, oh, yeah, i got to start doing it. And, you know... Time just doesn't always allow it, but uh, it's definitely, yeah. I think it's going to be my New Year's resolution, actually, is to learn some F-sharp. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I just keep, every time I get, find myself getting annoyed at some feature that C-sharp doesn't have, it's always something that all my F-sharp friends are like, oh, well, we've had that for years, so. Oh, they keep throwing <laughs> Maybe that'll async drive me there. in our face. Async, async. I know. Oh, man. They can't just be happy for us. I know. They just, <laughs> oh, we've had it for five years. <laughs> or, no, God, oh, six, you guys maybe. finally got async. That's so nice. That's so cute, that's yeah. A, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, so I, I have to promote it. I have to s sell you on it. Then is, is that the deal here? Uh, you don't have to. Okay. No, I, I'm already kind of sold on it. Oh, okay. Because I. So uh... then, I mean, you mentioned that you know it's it sits on top of .NET. So then, how does it relate to you know another other .NET languages like C Sharp? Ooh, how does it relate? Uh, close cousins, maybe uh, shared grandfather something like that uh, <laughs> i don't know um, little monster grandfathers <laughs> yeah something like that uh actually they're very compatible uh i i myself had to rediscover f sharp I, I programmed in it i actually checked my emails uh last time i posted to the group was 2007 and so i wanted to pick the language back up again so it's, it's because it appeared on ios and uh <laughs> But I didn't quite trust it. Um, I, I don't trust new things, even old new things. And so <laughs> I kept, uh, what I would do is write a bunch of code in F sharp, compile it, and then open it up in like a reflector or the assembly browser in Monotouch and have it uh, recompiled into C sharp. So I could see what my F sharp code was turning into on the C sharp side because I think I kind of understand C sharp, so I could understand the language there. And it's amazing. It's 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 the C sharp code that you would write. It's it's it's. I don't know how to say this. And about half the lines of code you get on the F sharp side 
you'll get all the pretty C-sharp that you would normally get. So it generates beautiful code, fits right in. It's a good .NET language. It matches all the paradigms. I don't know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> it, does all, it, it checks the right boxes and all that. It's very compatible with C-sharp. And then, um, if I'm going to promote it, then I, I want to promote one of my favorite features right away then. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, the compiler is super smart. I, and, and I'm not actually quite sure if this is uh, the libraries being smart or, what it, or if it's the compiler or not. But So in C Sharp, we have link queries. And say you have an array and you want to do, oh, I want to filter some things out and then do an order by, find a maximum, do a transform on it, and return that as an ienumerable. We do this all the time. So you can write that code in F Sharp in a similar, similar but shorter, more succinct and semi-prettier fashion than in C Sharp. And when you compile it, decompile it, what you see is it's not a bunch of calls to IEnumerable and then going through and doing a for each and you know allocate, allocate, allocate. The compiler is smart enough to see this is an array. So it does a for loop over it. It inlines all the function calls. It's just a very smart compiler. <laughs> it's doing all these little optimizations so that you get nice array for loops, but with the syntax of link, with no boxing, which is very nice. So how's that doing? Are you a little bit more sold? Yeah, getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like John needs some more selling. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> I can do better. So for, for someone familiar with maybe, you know, other functional programming languages, you know, you know leaving out, you know, C-sharp for now, you know, is F-sharp going to be something that feels familiar to an, a functional programmer in another language, or is it kind of its own beast? Well, the truth is there aren't that many in-use functional languages right now, are there? There's Lisp. There's um, Lisp. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Haskell, um, which is dangerous and scary, and I, I haven't ever touched it. Um, so will they feel comfortable in it? Those are smart people. They'll feel comfortable everywhere. So I, I have no doubt there. It's Yes, it's a very good functional language. It's got, um, on top of that, it's a very strongly typed functional language, uh, which forces you to feel comfortable with it because it kind of prods you and pokes you until you learn how to use it correctly because it's so strongly typed. So I, I think, yeah, everyone will be comfortable with it from that standpoint. Okay, so I'm I'm the C-sharp developer that you're trying to convert here. Um, All right. You know, if I'm first starting out, what are some of the things to look out for when I'm learning F-sharp as a C-sharp developer going into it? What, what Where do I start off at? You start off with writing basically equivalent C-sharp code. It's, it's kind of dodgy, but you, you start with something familiar. So how do you write a class? How do you add a property to it? How do you write a method? How do you inherit from a class? How do you override that method? And honestly, it, it's, it's a little bit of a learning curve there. Uh, the syntax is a tiny bit wonky <laughs> compared to C-sharp. It's a funny mix of Python and something the Grateful Dead invented. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but you, you'll get used to it eventually. And then one, one, once you have that down, then you're like, okay, this is an object learning language. I understand this. Can I mix and, and match like C-sharp and F-sharp in the same project? Or is it you know boundary set up by project just like VB and, and other things? Yeah, it's a bad heritage of .NET, huh? Why don't we get multi-language projects? They don't work. 
but so you have to have an f sharp project linked with your c sharp if you want to do it that way right or you go 100 percent f sharp because honestly it it's you know it can do everything c sharp can do so there's no reason not to so when you were first starting out was there like some comfortable level of doing things in you know a c sharp project and then kind of creeping into the f sharp space and you know kind of taking a couple of projects side by side and, and moving code in between the two? Did you t take an approach like that at all? Or did you just dive right into it? No, you, you, you dive right in. Because the language is at its best when you swallow its idioms, when you learn its <laughs> paradigms, when you just go F sharp. You just have to switch your mindset over for a little bit of time. Learn the F sharpy kind of way of doing it. And I'd actually like to get into a, a few points on that. Um, and then, and then you got to build the, the mental bridge of how do I turn all this awesome functional data transform awesomeness that I wrote, and how do I make that object-oriented again? Because that's how my UI layer works, and that's how <laughs> software works these days. <laughs> right. um, so you mentioned having uh, you know, some points about the, the F-sharpy way. You yeah, know, why don't we yeah. dig into that a bit? Well, this goes with, this is a, the mixture of um, the functional language part that I was mentioning before and the strongly typeness. So types in F-sharp are taken very seriously. They, they are not messing around. They, um, they won't even let you convert from like an integer to a floating point, you know, that automatic coercion. It won't happen. You always have to cast things. Very strongly typed language. The benefit of that is they can create these very small types and lots of little types. So one of these types are what they call discriminated unions, and it's a stupid big word. But imagine um, you're, you, you want the XML DOM. You have XML elements, you have text nodes, you have comment nodes. That's about it. But you have them in, all up in a tree, and there's a fixed set of them. You have that little hierarchy, but it's a sealed hierarchy. There's only these kinds of elements, but you want to write transforms on that. You want to, you know, if I see this this name and do this and transform it into a different data source. F sharp makes that ridiculously easy. They are the language designed for capturing a schema of a data transforming it within itself, transforming it to a different schema. And they do it with these very small types that are very easy to read, or excuse me, very easy to write and read. <laughs> um, and on top of that, they have these um, pattern matching facilities. So you can think like regular expressions, but regular expressions on in-memory objects. It's so cool. So you just write a pattern of, oh, if you encounter this tree and this set of nodes, then transform it into that. So data tra uh, pattern matching and transformation are just built right into the language, and they make that so easy. And I may have described it very poorly, but it's surprising how much of your application can be turned into that or be written in that style um, it's of you know sources of data being transformed and piped out. And so it kind of sounds like reactive UI a little bit, almost like what we're oh, trying does, to get into huh? in C-Sharp, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all the same thing, just different perspectives. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's a whole different topic. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so uh, just uh, some smaller things about that. Uh, so they make creating types very easy. They uh, make writing the constructors very easy. Adding members is very short syntax. Creating properties, uh, it's you just say like let x equal j plus two. You know, it's it's the minimum syntax you could possibly imagine for writing a property is their syntax for writing that property. So nice streamlined language. Uh, it's white space, uh, it takes white space seriously, so that's how you structure your code. And it's actually a little on the con side, um, it takes it a little too seriously. If you, if you come from a Python or CoffeeScript background, at least I get a little frustrated with their rules. The rules sometimes don't make much sense to me, but whatever. <laughs> it's one of those white space languages. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, they've had async for six years, and they rub it in our face. <laughs> <laughs> and they always will. <laughs> so uh, some quick points on the async, though. Uh, they, they have a good reason to rub it in our face. Because the language is very strongly typed, they make writing uh, bad async code harder. Or I, I guess I should say that uh, they make writing good async code easier. Um, because <laughs> It's uh, all marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the compiler is such a such a jerk about types that it just throws up warnings if you write the wrong kind of async code. Like it knows what's allowed and not allowed and that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's very good at that. So you mentioned warnings, which is interesting. You know, it. So are there a lot of things in the F# -sharp compiler that you know it won't necessarily break your build, but it'll give you a lot of hints about? Or would something like what you were just talking about actually stop your build? No, uh, it'll stop your build. And frustrating. Right, so that's not so much of a warning. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know why I called it. I'll, I'll tell you why I called it a warning after I tell you a story. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually had a friend once who programmed in OCaml, which is the language that F Sharp is based on. And he told me a story that when he was learning OCaml, it was the most frustrating experience in his life because he would sit there for an hour trying to get a stupid program to compile some algorithm. But because it was so strict about types and everything, it would just constant feedback. He had to keep constantly tuning the program. But he said the moment it compiled, it ran perfectly because the type system was so strict, it forced him to write very clean, correct code. So there are benefits to its draconian ways, <laughs> but it can be a little frustrating in the beginning until you've learned to chill and accept it. So the reason I called it a warning is because of the style in which you program F-sharp, and it's different from C-sharp in a very fundamental way in that you have access to a REPL. You guys know what I mean by REPL? Yep. Yeah. But so may as well explain it in case yeah, some of our yes. listeners <laughs> don't. You guys can, so I can have a sip of coffee. <laughs> do you, do so, you guys uh, like I, a REPL? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, you know, stands for, I think, redeval print loop. It's basically just a command line for a programming language. You know, you type in statements for the language and, you know, execute code on the fly. Didn't you make a little REPL Android app or something, Greg? I did, yeah. It's technically still in the store, though. It's, it's a little... A couple of years overdue for some updates. Um, there's probably some reviews there letting me know that too. But uh, yeah, C Sharp to go in the Android store is is a C Sharp REPL for Android. All the and reviews are from the uh, F Sharp people complaining that you didn't implement async await yet. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Probably. 
And I believe you also host Run C Sharp dot something, uh, an old oh, old right. project, an old Silverlight project. Well, but, I, I stole the work that you did on that and put it into an Android app. So, fantastic. You know. <laughs> yes. I just like to so remind I, you of that every so often. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the whole reason why you made me do the, the REPL talk. Yes. You know. <laughs> okay, so um, REPL, yeah. Uh, the idea is you can write your code kind of one line at a time and slowly feed it to a compiler slash evaluator. So you write 2 plus 2, highlight it, hit a fancy button, and it tells you 4. And you iteratively, slowly build up programs that way, executing one line at a time. And it's very liberating, actually, because you're not stuck in that stupid compile, run, click a few buttons. Hmm. Ugh, compile, run, click a few buttons, compile, run. I hate that cycle. I hate it to death. And so you can escape it by um, never actually having to compile, but incrementally compiling and executing your program as you develop it. And that is why it's a warning, because it's just a temporary error. You just fix it and rerun, and you're, you're off and kicking. Gotcha. That's really interesting, though. So that even in the con, I'm used to using a REPL, you know, in other languages, something where you just kind of, like, tool around until you figure out what you want to do and then work that back into a larger application. But you're saying that in the scope of that larger application, you're still programming in a REPL style. Yeah, actually, you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there is always that possibility. <laughs> uh, if we could take a time machine back to the 1970s, you would see the right way to use a REPL. And it's always been this interactive. It's not two worlds of a REPL plus your code editor. They should have always been merged. You should always be the REPL is the code editor. Um, and that's a personal thing to me because <laughs> I write an app that is exactly that. It's a merger of a text editor and a REPL. Um, so that's the correct way to do it, and that's the way F# -sharp does it. <laughs> so you can just sit there, write in the IDE, and as you're working on your app, your app itself, just execute lines. So let's I, let's say I'm I'm building a method in F# -sharp and you know I want to execute that method. Would there does the REPL is it smart enough to ask for input to a method, or would you just write some temporary line of code above it, or, and that calls the method, and then execute that? Oh, unfortunately, it is a 1970s REPL, so <laughs> it is kind of stupid. It's input-output. Um, okay. Gosh, there's so much we could do better. <laughs> it's too bad. It's too bad you can't make money writing dev tools. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, it's uh, you end up putting in temporary lines of code, or you, you put in a line of code and then put a, a comment in front of it, like, um, <laughs> so if you write a function that takes two parameters, um, A and B, above it you do uh, comment A equals four, comment B equals five, you run those and then start running the uh, code in the function. At least that's how I do it. Everyone's got their own tricks. I'm sure you could integrate NUnit in a very clever way or something like that, but <laughs> I haven't done that. Yeah, and I, and I imagine the, you know, it being a functional language, it makes it a little more it makes it a little easier to test little sections of the app since, yeah. you know, it's just functions and input and output. Yeah, it, it, syntax helps there, too. Uh, a very small difference, but it, it adds up when you have a REPL uh, like this, is functions don't have a termination character. So you don't always have to keep moving um, the little squirrely bracket guy down uh, as you're trying to 
run small bits of a function. You don't have to worry about that ending character. So it's much easier to feed it to a REPL. So a very small difference that kind of adds up to making it much easier to use in the IDE. So talking about the IDE and the whole REPL and how we're doing it, Ron, um, <laughs> maybe a bad place to segue, but how is the, the F-sharp support in, in Xamarin Studio and in Visual Studio for that matter? I can't comment on Visual Studio. Sorry, guys. Mac only. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was hoping no. you would comment on it. No, no. Okay, but I can talk about the mono develop one. Yeah, let's hear so, that. So, Xamarin Studio, I mean, jeepers. Anyway. Still. <laughs> Jeep. Oh. Get with the For times, life, man. man. For life. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, a gentleman named Thomas... P, because I, I don't want to pronounce his last name. I'm going to butcher it. So <laughs> Thomas P, he wrote an excellent uh, add-in for uh, Xamarin Studio that adds, um, it adds the REPL, the F-sharp interactive, they call it. Uh, the compiler, it's, I, I think he wrote the iOS integration, but I'm not 100% sure. Probably did. Um, so he, he's written that add-in, and it's excellent. And now I can give a bug report of about eight problems I have with it. But for the most part, it, it works. Um, the IntelliSense gets a little wonky sometimes. Like right now, there's a silly bug where every time you compile, it must throw out its IntelliSense database because all of a sudden, the IntelliSense is gone. You actually have to edit the file, wait three seconds, then IntelliSense comes back. So it works. It has funny little bugs, but they'll be worked out over time. It's on its way. Yeah, you know. I, he might be the only person working on it, so I should shut up and start contributing because <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there aren't many people working on it. <laughs> um, anything uh, specific that you have questions on for the IDE? So, like, you can do... Um, I've seen demo doing uh, iOS and Android apps specifically. Like, how is that experience out of the box to create a Hello World and, and sort of get up and running for the average user, for myself, going into doing F-sharp? I think it's pretty good. Um, when, you, when you do file a new iOS app, I always do an empty iOS app. I don't know about you, man, but that, that's <laughs> where I go. Um, it, it generates a nice project. Uh, one file, it has your app delegate, it has your main function. Pretty easy to read. Even if you've never seen F-sharp before, I think you could probably still read it pretty easily. You're going to notice a lot of funny symbols because F-sharp, they love their funny symbols, and they're going to be everywhere. <laughs> uh, uh, and then you hit run, and it's going to run. That said, there are bugs. <laughs> I had to uh, close and open Xamarin Studio a couple times today before it all wanted to work together correctly. But if you reboot enough, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no like problems with uh, or differences in bindings and everything. I'd imagine that's all done at the the level where you know it's since it's .NET, everyone can can work with it no matter what language, right? Yep, yep. So all that seems to work. I haven't really stressed it too much. My projects have been small with it so far. Uh, in the beginning, in, in the when I first started working on it, I actually would have a C sharp project as the iOS app, and then just linking to the F-sharp library, and that all worked fine. Uh, so it's pretty... As long as it doesn't... Eh, whatever. Never mind. 
<laughs> and, and what about like do, doing your debugging and everything? Can like does that fully work? Um, breakpoints yeah. and all that fun stuff. Yeah, he did a good job. The debugger works. I was amazed because if you guys remember early Mono Touch days, we went quite a few months without a debugger. Console dot right line. <laughs> I still console right line yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, so that works. So That's awesome. I feel like I've been very generous to the language. Can I go through a few of my uh, things I can't stand about it now? Can I, sure. can I talk bad about it? For <laughs> it looks like you're really like itching to let this off your chest. So. Uh, no, we're just awesome just language. to we'll put a disclaimer out. We're not affiliated with Frank in any way. John Mobile <laughs> podcast. No, no. I, I I'm going to approach this from uh, you're a C sharp developer and you're seeing this the first time and what's going to freak you out a little bit. How about awesome. That? Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, so it's a little bit symbol heavy. They like their multi character operators. So it's going to look a little pearlish. You know, pearl. Uh, there's going to be lots of arrows, lots of bars and things. They all make... But does it have a lot of dollar signs? None. <laughs> I No, you're right. Not a one. You're... All right. Victory. Oh, well, then I'm back in. That's okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there, it's a language developed by very smart people, so all of those crazy characters make sense, but learning them, it's a little weird. <laughs> um, then... Uh, uh, a corollary to that is the assignment operator is going to make you a little bit mad, as it makes me mad constantly as I still try to write it. Uh, so you want to assign to the variable A the number four. What, how would you guys write that in your programming language? Well, I, I, I assume you're going for, you know, A equals four. One would think, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, it's A less than sign hyphen Four, left arrow four. So mm -hmm. that's how you set things. So it's a little weird to get used to using that operator for assignment. Is that because the, the equal sign is, is doing something different? Or they just decided not to use it? So whenever a person has to design a programming language, <laughs> they have to... <laughs> they have it's to come diplomatic. up with... Yeah, <laughs> they have to come up with an operator for... Three operations, definition, assignment, comparison. Humans, like us, we use the equal sign for all three of those. And we rely on context and intelligence to figure out which one we actually meant. But programming languages don't do that. They usually pick equal sign to be like two of those things and then some other funny character to be the other one. So in C sharp, definition, equal sign, assignment, equal sign, Comparison equals equals. That's the differentiation. In F-sharp, it's a little wonkier. So definition is an equal sign. Comparison is an equal sign. So A equals 4 is really the Boolean test. Does A equal 4? And then they have the funny arrow for assignment. So how long did it take you to stop accidentally writing two equal signs next to each other? That one went fast, actually, but assignment, man, that left arrow, I just can't do it. <laughs> Every time, I can't do it. <laughs> you just need to build it into the IDE so you can type equals, and it'll just switch it for you. Something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I should say, in, in, in their favor, uh, the F-sharp guys actually rewrote the syntax of the language back in the day, maybe about six, seven years ago. Uh, they actually had a more complicated syntax, but they took a big leap and redesigned their syntax hmm. to make the language more friendly. So 
they do care. They 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 just like that left arrow for some reason. <laughs> uh, then then another. Uh, and please stop me if I bore you on this one, but I could talk about this one all day. Um, uh. <laughs> uh, it's a very functional language, and it's based upon the lambda calculus. And in this lambda calculus, every function takes one and only one argument. And that is how F-sharp works. In the programming language world, this is called currying. C-U-R-R-Y-I-N-G, currying the functions. <laughs> and the idea is that, well, if a function only ever takes one argument, then we can create all these rules and an algebra based on functions and call it a calculus and do all these fancy mathematics on it if we just accept this one restriction. And then it also has benefits. And so F-sharp, for better or for worse, is one of these languages where every function takes one and only one argument. And if you want to create a function that takes two arguments, they have syntax for that. But what you're actually doing is creating a function that returns a function. The semantics of it are crazy. Uh, but powerful. The downside is the code starts to look a lot like Lisp, actually, after a while. Um, they don't use commas to separate uh, function arguments because functions only ever take one argument, so there's no need for a comma. So you use spaces. So if you wrote a sum function, you'd write sum space four space five, sum space four. But then if you want to use that someplace else, you end up putting parentheses around it, and all of a sudden your program starts to look like Lisp because they use currying. So that's something you're going to have to get used to. Does that sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, I was writing something in F-sharp like a week ago, and that one kept getting me. I was like, yeah. why isn't this working? Because <laughs> yeah. it was still valid code. It just didn't do what I thought it was going to do. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> like, If you can get a grip on currying, it is a powerful tool. You start to understand it, and you can really start to chain together operations, and it gets back into this data transformation language idea. But for your first week coming from C-sharp, it's going to be a pain <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so uh is there anything else on your your list of grievances <laughs> mm, i think i could go on but maybe i should shut up before i get <laughs> down some angry at me <laughs> <laughs> so, so talking about um some of the the differences one of the things that i always hear come up when we're talking about f sharp is the idea of immutability can yeah. uh can you go down that road yeah uh it's fun because everything is immutable by default, meaning that once it's been assigned a value, it cannot have, it cannot change. And honestly, if you look through your programs, probably the majority of your variables are like this, probably 50 to 60% of them. You assign a value to it. What you're really doing is just assigning a name to an expression. So the language says, well, if that's pretty common and it's actually a good style of practice because mutability causes problems in multi-threading contexts and other contexts, then let's just go immutable by default. And it's a pretty common decision in functional languages, all two others that I could recall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, ML, OCaml, these uh, other languages. It's, um, you get used to it pretty fast. Uh, and they, they do punish you a little bit. So to create a variable, it would, you would write let x equal 5. And if you want to make that a mutable 
variable as then able to change, so you can reassign it using that silly left arrow operator, then you actually have to type the word mutable. Let mutable x equal 5. So they punish you for <laughs> having mutability in the cap. program. Yeah, yeah, it's pub public shaming. You're, you're doing it wrong. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, what are what are some of the benefits that you get from that immutability other than you know, just the fact that, you know, you know for sure that it's not going to change. No, you're going to... So the pat answer is, well, in... <laughs> if you don't mutate variables, then you don't need to share variables. If you don't need to share variables, then you can execute uh, uh, computations in parallel. So it's a long chain of ifs, if, 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 then you get to be parallel. And it's, it's a link in that chain of minimizing shared state between processes. And so multi-threading is a huge argument for that. I think uh, what I said before of just codifying good practice, it's just good for that too. It's, it makes your program easier to reason about if you're not constantly assigning, you know, like sharing one variable name for all the different state in your program, all dependent and all that. It's, it just forces you to be a little bit cleaner and more reasoned about how you write your own code. There's probably other benefits, but they're still in my mind. So you mentioned, you know, that like multi-threading and things like that being one of the benefits uh, of this style of programming. I mean, have you noticed, you know, performance increases in, in your, the F-sharp code you're writing over C-sharp, or is it just pretty negligible for what you've been doing so far? I, I haven't done any performance metrics Aside from the fact that I mentioned I, I was going through that cycle for a while of compiling apps and then decompiling them into C-sharp <laughs> to see how they look, uh, I, I have this one app, Kelka, and Kelka is basically a giant pattern matching <laughs> engine <laughs> that's just constantly taking input, looking for rules, applying rules, looking for optimizations, that thing, that kind of stuff. And I know the kind of code I've written to write that pattern matching, and I've looked at code that F-sharp's generated, and oh my god, I wish I had written it in F-sharp. <laughs> not only would it have cut my code down by probably one-tenth, uh, it would have generated better code than I ended up writing by hand, because it knew how to optimize things. It's a language designed for the mutation of data structures, it seems. So it, it would have been amazing at that job. Do you think that you're going to end up kind of rewriting that engine in F-sharp? Oh, or heck is it no. more... <laughs> <laughs> you do not rewrite engines. <laughs> Fair enough. I figured I should ask at least. <laughs> no, uh, maybe a version two or something like that, but um, or the next app, something like that. It actually, um, I, I don't want to, kind of high level, where does F-sharp fit into the whole world of things? It's excellent for um, the model part of your application. Um it, it, when, when I would compare it against like writing a user interface in C-sharp, it always ended up being about the same code that you would write with a weirder syntax with left arrows. Um, but it normally about the same number of lines, and you'd write the code the same way. But when it came to the model, where you could be specific and design a, a domain-specific language kind of around transformations of the model and all that stuff, that's where the language really starts to shine. I just wanted to make sure that got mentioned, that it fits really nicely there. As a UI language, I haven't been that impressed. <laughs> mm. 
Right. Yeah, that was actually one thing that I was, I was pretty curious about because you know, you know, a UI by definition is is a big state machine. Yeah, so exactly. I was, I was wondering how well F Sharp kind of translated into that world because I've I've heard arguments, you know, for and against using F Sharp for that kind of mm-hmm. programming model. Um, you know, personally, I don't know it well enough. I haven't used F Sharp enough to know how well it lends itself to that, but mm-hmm. I was very curious about it. In, in my experience, it's about equivalent code. I didn't see any big wins or anything. A tiny bit shorter, just because the syntax is a little more concise than C sharps. But in the end, you're writing the same code. It's still, like you said, it's a giant state machine. You can't get, you can't avoid that with crazy you rules. Met, you mentioned Sorry. one of your uh, your friends. The, you know the story you told about him having a lot of trouble writing the code to get it to compile, <laughs> but finally, when he got it to compile, it worked really well. Um, do you kind of find the same pattern then that you're not sort of hunting down as many bugs or your, your yeah. code works better from the get-go in, in F-sharp? Yeah, and it, it's a combination of the expressiveness of the language and that stupid 1970s REPL <laughs> because it forces you to write the program, you know, in that iterative, I'm building up the application. When you're not stuck in this weird compile-run cycle, it just, I don't know, it's a little more liberating. You have more time to think almost because it's just... It executes when you're ready for it to execute. So you just kind of get in the flow a little bit better with that style. So usually in the in the C sharp world, to to achieve that kind of thing, you would end up kind of you know a lot of people ended up writing unit tests and yeah. things like that because that that's how you basically you know run your little unit of code and make sure it mm-hmm. works. But then you also have the benefit of you know, having a safety net. If, if, thing, if things change, you, you know that you screwed something up in the distance. But with, with this inline REPL, you know, you don't really have that. And so it, honestly, it's an excellent question, and it's an excellent place that needs to be studied and we need better tools for. Because you're talking about, yeah, the merger of uh, the 2000 style and the 1970s style. Yeah, they, they need to come <laughs> together somehow to have that repeatability of the tests that they can be run offline and that they help you out during development in a more humane, <laughs> fluid way than <laughs> writing stupid brackets everywhere and naming them and all that kind of stuff and writing all the syntax that... There, there's a lot of ceremony around writing unit tests that I wish could mm-hmm. go away. And I, I think that's why I feel the F-sharp's a little more liberating in that respect, but there are huge benefits to unit tests. Yeah. <laughs> And I assume that, you know, it's not necessarily mutually exclusive. You know, you can oh, yeah. write unit tests around F-sharp code, too. I just, I was curious if that, if that was, like, the normal practice or what you were doing around that, too. I, I, I can't speak on normal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I can only speak for myself on this one. Um, uh, they, they, there's got to be a way to integrate them nicely. And I'm sure uh, the F-sharp guys are dying right now. They're screaming right now, saying, <laughs> don't you know about this awesome unit test framework? And I just don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sure there is. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're quite pro- uh, that that community. They're they're very active. They love their language. They do. They're very very outspoken about that too, which is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, a little more positive notes too. Yeah. After all my cons, Positive's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a few uh, few few cute things. Uh, type providers where uh, they automatically translate foreign schemas into your object-oriented type system automatically in the IDE for you so you can query Wikipedia using IntelliSense. It's cute. A little bit of a parlor trick. (laughs) 
a little bit rest unfriendly. I worry about error handling and I worry about how brittle the code it generates. And it's very hard to write these type providers. But it is really cool for writing quick little apps that query big databases and that kind of stuff. It's kind of more of an um, end user feature, if I, if I might say so. <laughs> but it, it does have usefulness to a programmer. So that's an, something I'm pretty sure is unique to F Sharp. I've never seen another language do it, where they pull in their types from just random databases on the internet or files on your disk, whatever. It's pretty cool. It's like code generation to the max. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen that elsewhere either. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting feature. Mm -hmm. right, any other questions? How about, uh, are you, so are you going to write an Android app? In F sharp or an iOS app in F sharp? <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe both. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, like, have you know that 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 was like one of the things that we we did want to get to. We touched on you know some of the the Xamarin Studio, you know, points and the the experience within Xamarin Studio. Um, is once you're in you know your file new iOS project, is it pretty much just business as usual, just in a different language? Yep. Yep. Uh, I oh, this is a funny little quirk of the uh, actually a quirk of the compiler. Uh, the order of your files in the project matters. <laughs> it's kind of like C, where you had to declare your functions above each other. If you're going to use a type, you got to make sure that file is above any other types that it references. It's very baroque, and I don't understand why they have that limit. Okay, I, I've I've written language. I, I understand why they have that in there, but. <laughs> <laughs> it still sucks from a user perspective because I, I had forgotten about that, and it took me forever to get my app to compile uh, the first time. But once you learn that rule, yeah, um, you just... So you uh, just mean, like, the, the actual file names have to be ordered appropriately for that? No, uh, um, Mono Development, uh, Xamarin Studio, and I assume Visual Studio, <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually can drag the files up and down to reorder them as necessary. I was confused by that, too. I, I kept trying the rename trick, and that wasn't happening. So you actually <laughs> order them by hand to get the references right. Is that creating, like, a You're a freaking out, aren't you, file name? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have no. It's just, it's just the order of the files in the project file. Um, okay. Yeah. It's just... Interesting. Yeah, it's just not sorted alphabetically like, you, like it would normally be in an F-sharp app or C-sharp app. Mm. <laughs> um, Do you find that that becomes a problem or is it just once you kind of know it's there it's not really a big deal so far it hasn't been a problem um i'm still getting used to how much do you put into an f-sharp file there's one difference between c-sharp and f-sharp in that they let you create modules which are basically static classes in the c-sharp land so you can have global variables basically um global variables global functions and that kind of stuff and they're actually a pretty module-centric language. They like to have these global functions and global types. So integrating that in with namespaces, it gets a little funny. But other than that, I, I should really stop mentioning these quirks. You'll figure it out. It's not so bad. <laughs> no, the quirks are good. I mean, it's you know part of what you know why it's interesting to have this conversation is you know you get you know real-world perspective on things you're going to run into. Yeah. You know. So Hopefully I, I saved you at important. least five minutes there because it took me more than five minutes to figure this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that's the kind of stuff you don't learn, you know, just by reading tutorials, really. <laughs> you should write us a book. 
<laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, like like I mentioned before, I've I've been playing with F sharp a little bit recently. Um, you know, I, I decided it was time to kind of you know dip my toe in the F sharp water again. And to do that, I actually ran across this project called Fake that I think you know we had talked a little on Twitter about or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically as the name implies, it's it's an F sharp version of you know Make or Rake or any of those other build systems. Um, but it's been an interesting way to kind of you know write. I've been writing build scripts in F sharp, and the, they basically used F sharp to create a, a nice, a really nice and concise build script DSL. Oh, um, so cool. it's been kind of an interesting way to kind of just dip my toe in the water without having to you know rewrite any parts of my application or anything like that, but get my head around, you know, some of the syntax and things like that, all while having, you know, a pretty nice build system that's not, you know, you know, not just straight MS build files or, or ant files or nant files or any of that other garbage. This is, this is actually really interesting to me because I was just going to comment that, uh, I write all my build scripts in Python, and I was just thinking about uh, starting to write them in F Sharp because it is actually a decent little scripting language. And now, now that you mentioned this fake thing, yeah, mind is blown. Cool. I, I should definitely yeah. try to hook this up. Yeah, looks, yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Looks kind of refreshing, you know, from seeing all that XML build file yeah. stuff. It's kind of like you always envied, you know, in some ways the Unix guys and, and Ruby guys for having <laughs> that simplistic way of doing things that we didn't. So this, yeah, it looks really yeah. cool. Well, yeah, like basically I just had a bunch of make files and those are, you know, yeah. never really that fun to no, maintain. No. But I started switching over to this and, you know, you can, just like any other build system, you can write, you know, little plugins and modules for it. So, you know, eventually, you know, it'd be cool and maybe I'll write it if I have time, but, you know, you could write ones for, you know, Xamarin builds and yeah. you know, build the test test flight and things like that. So it's basically just executing a function and you get your your builds or your IPAs and APKs and stuff like that. So that's where I'd like to get to anyway. I'm, I'm willing to accept someone else doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I think you pretty much just owned it right now. Crap. That's no good. I want a full <laughs> CI server. By the morning. By, by New Year. <laughs> I don't know about New Year, but I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and do, is there anything that, that you could think of that we haven't really touched on, either about F-sharp or, you know, stuff you're working on or anything? Oh, golly gee whiz. Give it a shot. I, if I could be a, a, a geek for just one more minute. Just Please do. to let you know how geeky the F Sharp guys are, they actually ship it with a uh, Lexer and parser generator language. So you can write uh, little text file parsers very easily. And if you've ever written a function that does read line from file in and then does a split and then checks if a character is there, then what you really want is to write a parser. And they make it really easy to write parsers in F Sharp. So I think that's just another feather in its cap. Just had to make sure I mentioned that one. And otherwise, just give her a shot. <laughs> so are you are you working on anything new? I mean, you've got Kelka out recently. Um, yeah. You know, of course, iCircuit. What's what's next? Give us some inside info. Oh, inside info. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm getting my act together. iCircuit's gone a little too long without an update. So that girl's going out pretty soon. I've, uh, the Mac version's been updated, a much better, more succinct UI. Um, Kalka for iOS has a fancy new upgrade. I'm calling it the uh, have your cake and eat it too feature. 
and that's all I'm going to say about <laughs> it, but I'm very excited about it. So <laughs> nice updates to those two apps. And then I have um, some Machiavellian plans around <laughs> more uh, engineering-type applications. So I, I have a nice uh, robotics-type app application in my mind that I'd like to work on. What about uh, Calca for Android? I'm an Android user here, and I'm yeah. feeling a little bit left out. You know, the worst thing is I have it, and it runs, and it's fine. <laughs> Do you... <laughs> okay. That is pretty bad, then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, can we be... Can we be I'm, I'm going to sound terrible now, but I hate writing file managers for these mobile devices. And I, uh, this is my fault. I keep writing document-based applications where you want to <laughs> open something, save it, rename it, organize it. And God, for Android and iOS, I always have to write the file manager. And I swear to you, that thing takes up half my time writing that part of the <laughs> UI. And that's my only stumbling block to getting the Android one out is uh, <laughs> refining the stupid file management interface. I think Otherwise, we all have our New Year's resolutions now. Then. Oh, no. Calca, don't make me work on it. You know, work on fake. <laughs> and I'll just learn some F-sharp so I get I, say, I don't think we have anything for you yet, John, no, so we got to give you some work. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I mentioned a book. No? Uh, no been there, done that? <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> awesome, all right. guys. So... <laughs> Um, anything else but before we, we close out, Frank? Do you think anyone has actually gotten this far through all the ramblings and geek talk? Do you think anyone's listening at this point? We always <laughs> hope that there's at least one. One. So if, if we've changed one okay. person's day okay. or then hour. I, to that one person, I'd like success. to say, hi, Mom. Thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had fun, guys. Thanks. This was really fun. Uh, it's yeah, and great having you on. You know, we it, it was you know we were bound to have you on for something sooner or later. But you know, what better than F sharp you know, F of all sharp things? Right Jeez, nothing. We didn't even well, mention sequel. <laughs> <laughs> we can get you back for sequel. Okay, yeah, here we go. <laughs> all right. Well, then I, I think that about does it. But you know, thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of Gone Mobile, and we'll see you next time. Bye.